my heart stopped in the ambulance right outside the hospital doors. It was a blood clot that we can't explain. I knew something was not right. That's why I called 911. And I linked sobriety with that 911 call because, hey, we can call for help, right? For, for a medical condition, for a heart attack. With sobriety, it's so secretive. It's so shameful yeah. that raising your hand and asking for help is just not recognized in the same way. This is a Soul Fire production. Okay, so welcome back or welcome to the show. You're listening to episode 94, and this is a gin-induced episode, and it's a series inside the Yes Am podcast where we explore addiction, sobriety, and what it looks like to live a high-vibe life on your own terms. I'm your host, Judy Holler, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and the founder and creator of the House of And, which is an improv-inspired lifestyle brand on a mission to show you, baby, what's possible when you're brave enough to open new doors. And I am not here alone. It's gin and juice. So that means my co-host for the gin and juice episodes, Amanda Zayner, who is not only my right-hand woman, but also sober as fuck and walking the brave path of recovery is here with me. What's up, Amanda? That's such a great introduction. I'm loving it. Uh, you know what I feel? You know what I started realizing? Like I'm listening to other podcasters and the network and all this stuff. And you know, I listen to other podcasts, surprise, surprise. And I'm like, you know what? I don't really introduce myself. And we get so many new listeners every episode, every week from all over the States, all over the country and beyond all over, really? from all over the globe. And so, you know, I just got to do my due diligence. So we just can't assume people know who we are. and We shouldn't feel bad about that. Um, and I got to tell you, we are so excited uh, about this episode. It's going to be a vibe. And we're also really excited that this episode is brought to you by one of our favorite brands and favorite companies, Advocare. Uh, Amanda, what Advocare products are you, what are you into right now, Advocare wise? Well, you know, we do the typical spark. I do love that quite a bit. It's a nice little energy boost. And Kenji mm-hmm. absolutely loves muscle strength. You know, he works out all the time, lifts weights, and he just, he really believes in that product. And it sounds so crazy to say that, but it works. Yeah. Coming from a former personal trainer and coach and et cetera. Yeah. That's one I haven't ordered for Scott yet. Personally, I'm a huge glow collagen fan and you can learn more about my favorite products, our favorite products and more in the show notes. So head on over there. Oh, and get discounts because you listen to the show. Okay, so I'm so excited. Uh, We have a special guest today joining Amanda and I, and we just got off the air with her. And let me tell you, I think you're going to see yourself in, in her, especially if you don't like your current relationship with alcohol, (laughs) if you are afraid to set yourself free, and if you're afraid of like how your life is going to change, if you do stop drinking and start exploring other, other possibilities in your life. So I'd love to maybe uh, Amanda, before we introduce her, like we just got done recording with her. Like, what was your biggest takeaway from Christine? I really loved her perspective on sober October and dry January, because Mm -hmm. you often say, and, and we talk about it a bit that, um, I feel like you don't, um, and I guess I feel like it could be taken negatively and I don't mean it that way. And she so beautifully shared her perspective on it, which I actually also share is that 
you don't necessarily do a sober October or a dry January if you don't suspect your relationship with alcohol is not well, it's maybe toxic. And she was like, oh, it's the perfect walking into uh, sobriety because you have a a great excuse. And I absolutely loved that. And it really truly is the way that people can get some separation without feeling judged. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. I loved that. How about whole, you? Yeah. I loved that whole conversation we had. I think for me, I loved the moment. Um, cause I'm all about confidence and I think confidence comes through repeated attempts of doing scary shit and living to talk about it. Right. So the only way I'm any good on stage, uh, is because I've gotten on stage a thousand times before and I just keep running the reps. So she said something that I loved because when I put down alcohol, um, and started that whole alcohol free journey for like the 200, 200 days, I was so nervous to go up to a bar and I, I was like, how do I, uh, and I would get quiet and I'd like, dim my light and like hide in a corner or apologize to the server that I was like the boring customer uh, because I was ordering like a mocktail. Right. And she's like, the first thing I recommend doing is fucking owning it and be confident. Now this is Judy speak. She said it a little bit different, but she goes, you go up to that bar and you own it. And you say, hi. Yeah. Uh, do you have any alcohol free beers? Oh, great. Yeah. I'll take that <laughs> dusty one in the back. That's been collecting yeah. dust because nobody fucking drinks it. And she's like, and you go take that beer and you sit down and you go enjoy it with your friends. Now you don't shame your friends because they're drinking. You let them drink and you have a good time with them, but you own it. And I loved that reminder. Like we don't need a mouse back if we're doing something new and different in our lives. And I was so nervous to go out at the beginning because I thought like the servers were going to go in the back and make fun of me no one gives a fuck own it. And you never know who's listening. You could be inspiring someone at that bar to go, Oh my God, look at that, that girl full of light and light. And she doesn't drink. I want what she's having. You know what I'm saying? So, and let's be honest, (laughs) if you're drinking alcohol free drinks at a bar, you're going to feel so much better the next day that who cares what they're saying about you? Yeah. They're probably not right let's talk about like a little body <laughs> read let's give them something to talk. i love that song but yeah that's so true so those i yeah. what great takeaways so guys buckle up this is going to be a really great conversation so let me give you the cliff notes of her story before we bring her on the air christine was always the so fun quotes girl in high school, college, and in her 20s living in New York City. And as she got older, the fun part of being so fun started to wear off. And she took a good hard look at her life and realized that something was missing. Actually, a lot was missing. Alcohol wasn't serving her. And while she had lots of friends and family that loved her, yo, she didn't love herself. Alcohol was an escape, a way to hide from dark feelings and a lack of self-worth. And when her 40th birthday hit, these feelings surfaced with a heaviness she couldn't bear. She got to a point where she writes she didn't even want to be here in this life. Now, as a heart attack survivor just Three years earlier, at 37, by the way, we talk about that. She was supposed to feel grateful to be alive, but she just didn't want to go on. And in May of 2019, she made the call that saved her life and called a treatment center outside of Atlanta. She was admitted for 30 days and everything changed. Now, 27 months sober and counting, she can't 
imagine her life any other way. She's went on to create a company called On The Mox, a community marketing platform and online store on a mission to replace sober shame with excitement and pride. Christine lives on the foodie side of Charlotte. She's an avid restaurant goer, writer, and passionate entrepreneur determined, I love this, to change the stigma behind the word alcoholic. She hopes that by being loud and proud, more women will speak up and ask for the help they need. Without further ado, ladies and gents, here's our high vibe, alcohol-free conversation with Christine. Okay, I'm going to make a quick pause right here to get a little groovy with you, baby. Okay, so groovy, non-alcoholic beers, wines, bubblies is one of our podcast sponsors. And honestly, one of my fave things, and here's why, when I decided to go alcohol-free at the very beginning of that journey, um, what really helped me go 200 days alcohol-free, and even now I still live mostly an alcohol-free life, what has helped me with that is having something in my back pocket to fight off the cravings, but also make me feel like I'm a little bit part of the party. So when everybody else is sitting around drinking bubbly and wine and brews, I'm not just sitting there with a club soda because that gets really annoying and old and frankly, kind of boring. You can only have so many club sodas with grapefruit in it before you're like, okay, I'm over it. So groovy is your answer. Yo, I am hand on my heart. I am not kidding you. Their sparkling rosé gives me life. The Prosecco, i.e. the dry secco, is pretty magical. And I got to tell you, their beer I'm living for. They have a new peach pie ale out right now, which is great. The pale ale and the golden are two of my favorites, always in our fridge. So if I'm in a vibe where I'm not drinking, in a space where I'm taking time off, if I am wanting to feel like I'm a part of the party, but also not wanting to partake in the booze part of that party, yo, Groovy is the answer. And if you want to try out Groovy for yourself, don't you pay full price. Use the links in the show notes to get discounts and always use yes and 10. That's yes and one zero when shopping. High vibe living without the hangover. Mm, That's Groovy, baby. Christine, we are so excited to talk to you and with you. And, you know, you've got one hell of a story, babe. Um, And what you listener don't know is that even before we started recording, we were just having this like micro conversation about the fact that you can be zero proof in life uh, and still have a really good time. And Christine is living proof of that. We're going to dig into that a little bit with Christine, but I kind of want to start at like the beginning of, of, your life dramatically changing, which when I read your story and received your uh, on the mox box in the mail, the thing that stuck out to me um, were two things. I'm going to tackle the first one. Amanda's going to tackle the second one. Okay. The first one was the fact that you had a heart attack at the age of 37. If, okay. So I'm going to talk about that. And then the second part <laughs> is my goodness, you making the decision to check yourself into rehab uh, in or around your 40th birthday. And what a, what a, 
monumental moment that was for you in your life. So let's unpack the first one. You had a fucking heart attack at the age of 37, which almost gives me a heart attack thinking about it. Uh, so talk to me about that. Why? Uh, was it genetics? Was it, was it, was it stress? Was it lifestyle? Talk to us a little bit about that journey for you. 37 sure. is young, okay. babe. 37 is young. Um, and we don't have an answer. Mm. I do not have any family history. I wasn't, um, overweight or unhealthy. Um, yes, I did drink a quite a bit then and, and, you know, um, wasn't drinking that day. Um, and it caught us all by a surprise. It was a blood clot that, that we can't explain where, where it came from. But um, my emo what happened to me that day was very much resembled a panic attack. And I was oh. living outside of New York. I had a high pressure job. I am a stress oriented person. They, my dad says, if you're not stressed, you're bored. So um, when the EMS, <laughs> right? When the, when the firemen came, when the um, ambulance team came, they all thought I was having a panic attack and I was short of breath. My body was failing me with everything was feeling extremely tired. And um, I knew something was not right. That's why I called 911. I did delay in calling 911. I'm um, going through all of the reasons why that would be inconvenient. That would be expensive. That would cause a big scene <laughs> in my apartment building, right? Um, and all of that. Um, but I did call 911. I called my mom first. I asked her if I should called my mom and then she, I called 911 and um, my heart stopped in the ambulance right outside the hospital doors in Stanford, Connecticut, which is just outside of New York. So big life-changing cardiac arrest situation, cardiac, cardiac arrest four times. Um, the last of which um, did I do still carry some PTSD from. Um, I mean, the whole experience I tried to make light of um, which isn't the best <laughs> recommendation. Right. Yeah. Um, but the last of which, when I heard the doctors over me, um, all trying to save my life, when I felt the um, ultimately feeling the pressure on my rib cage and, and gasping for air in that moment, I do have those memories very clear of being in this weird in, in between place. And, um, uh, yeah, I did not wow. deal with all of that at 37. Yeah. I didn't, um, <laughs> it was right at Christmas time. Um, and I felt I did wake up to um, uh, being on breathing tubes um, the following day. I asked for my phone um, first to text work because, you know, that's the first thing in my mind when you come to life. Um, mm, but, and then yeah. the most important things, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> What's wrong with us? What is wrong with us? And then, um, and then I looked at myself, I took a selfie. It wasn't, you know, to be a glamour shot by any means was to see what I look like. And to wow, remember too, probably, do you still it, have that I, selfie? I sure do. Wow. It's very bloated and I share it oh. every year on December 15th to basically, you know, as a reminder that life is a gift and that we are worth it to make that call, mm. you know, and I often talk about, I link sobriety with that 911 call because so often we think it's okay. We can call for help, right? For, for a medical condition, for a heart attack, for when we have the flu. But um, with sobriety, it's so secretive. It's so shameful yeah. that raising your hand and asking for help is just not recognized in the same way. 
So uh, I will say um, I should have probably taken my heart attack as a, a right, you know, this is your new lease on life. You're going to go to the gym all the time. You're going to eat all these heart healthy things. Uh, I did a little of that to start, but what I ultimately did really was eat, drink, and be merry for the next year. Wow. Overdoing it on all ways. Cause I was like, I love you. I love you. <laughs> I'm alive, baby. I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. Do this thing. Um, until I, um, realized that all of that was adding up, um, <laughs> you know, it's, Uh, you talk in one of your posts about fearless versus brave. And I think I was a little bit too much on the fearless side of I'm invincible. (laughs) And that's when the pounds start add up. That's when the debt starts adding up and, and, you know, all of that. So, you know, that moves us to my 40. (laughs) Perfect segue. Perfect segue. Definitely. So tell us about that. So you check yourself in, you raise your hand for help obviously, and you go to treatment. So what, what kind of drove you to that decision in that moment? And were you at a rock bottom kind of, you know, give us a little bit of a picture of what that time looked like. Sure. I felt I was hovering close to the rock bottom where it felt I was at my rock bottom, but the world around me didn't know it. I, my mm. life still good on paper. I hadn't, didn't oh, raise your hand. If you are there, I think there are so many women in that Same space. Story. Same. Yeah. Ugh. You don't have to wait for the, you know, the, the ticket from the police or being in court. You don't have to, you know, get to the point of bankruptcy to know that your bills are taking over. Mm. Um, it was all coming like a shadow, a very hovering shadow. And I felt my depression was so was starting to get so deep that I truly felt like I was a zombie in my life and just walking and just, Mm. and looking at people like she's happy. Why is she happy? What, what, how Mm. did she get there? And questioning what happy was, um, and, and feeling guilty that one, I'm a survivor and I should be freaking happy and grateful. And two, that I have so much and that I have the resources or capabilities of changing my situation and couldn't. I fit love. And that cycle of, of depression and shame and guilt just was like, I can't deal. I can't deal. I'm going to drink, right? Or I'm going to go hang out with these people and have fun, but I wasn't having fun um, and drink. So I was seeing a, ser- a therapist at the time and that just felt like a chore. It wasn't working. Um, and she is the one who just, who brought out a pamphlet, she, not knowing that I had any kind of drinking issue. It wasn't something we talked about. We talked about all my depression and anxiety and my PTSD. We didn't talk about drinking. That was something so you'd never, still- sorry for interrupting. This yeah. is resonating like so deeply with me because most people didn't even know I drank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to treatment, you know, like for the second time, but it resonates with me. So you never talked to your therapist about about that. I talked to her about all the other heavy stuff that was related. And even up to the point of going to rehab, I was looking for a place that was dual diagnosis. So, cause I really didn't want to ever say to myself, I wasn't going to drink again. <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just, I mean, I use right. drinking too incorrectly. Other people know how to use it. I don't know how to use it. Um, and you know, I'm the so fun girl, which is also where we started. Uh-huh. You know, I am, um, an event. I have many years of an ex- restaurant experience was an event planner in New York city doing the whole red carpet thing. Um, and also like, you know, social chair at my sorority, like just 
fun. And if I wasn't fun, then I might as well not be here. Right. What is the point? So I, um, yeah. So when it came to the rehab, it was, it was, it felt like last straw because I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live Mm. and no. And, and a part of that is being loved by family and being loved by friends and, and certainly having that, that the gift of that, you know, it's a wonderful life preview, um, in December of, you know, 2015, but like, or 2016 on the 15th. Um, and it's, it, I was like, I don't want to be here, but there's like, what is, what is this? I was very okay. I'm like, if you need to put me in a single room with the padded walls, do it. Cause you need to take everything away from my life so we can figure out what my ground zero is and who I am without the bad food, without the bad choices and without the bills and the stress and the social media and the drinks and all the things. Yeah. Well, I have to, this is perfect because I think so many people, um, don't stop or fear the stop because of so much of what you just said. So can we talk about like life after those 30 days? And I know, uh, you know, Amanda and I have gotten into this conversation because she's had to figure out her life after rehab the second time, right? Did you have to, you know, I have someone in my life right now who has someone close to them that is in it, is an alcoholic and trying to figure it out. And I think one of the big fears right now is who is he? Who are we without it? Where do we live? Where do we go? Do we have to move? Can we still go to the country club? Will people like us? Can I go to concerts? Do we have to move to another state? So like how, what was life like 30 days after rehab? And how did you navigate that fear? Did you have to find a new circle? Did you move? Did you slowly shed friends? Talk to us about that. That is a big fear we hear a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get 30 days of rehab of this gift, which I would call the bubble, um, almost like quarantine was before then, you know, you come out and I came right back to the same apartment in the same in South end, uh, Charlotte, which is a foodie town. It there's a brewery mm. over there and a there and a there. And I can hear the people at the bar down right, you know, open my window. Um, I was coming right back to that same life and those same bills and all that stuff. But right? No alcohol. And they tell you like, you know, you want the tools of, um, not to be a dry drunk, which, or white knuckling it. Um, I've just uh, learned about this, which, so that means this dry drunk. So the friend I'm referencing says mm -hmm. that her husband's in that state where he's a quote dry drunk, which means he may not have the alcohol addiction right now, but he's got a workout addiction and he's got a work addiction and he's got other addictions. Is that what dry drunk means? Am I understanding that? Like you replace it? He may, and he essentially still has the alcohol addiction. He's not dealing with the reasons why he drinks. Ah, that's it. That's what it means. So a dry drunk, so being in sobriety, right? sobriety is not abstinence. So most Ah. of the time when someone is a dry drunk, it's simply abstinence without recovery tools. So that's how I would define it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Recovery and trying to understand why I drank, why I needed drink, why I drank the extra ones. Um, who am I without the alcohol? Do I like my own company? Why don't I like my sitting in my own, my own Mm. company? Why am I an introvert extrovert? And still like, why do I hate myself so much? Big one, big one. Big one. Because, um, <laughs> so those first 90 days, I will say the first 90 days were like life-changing days. The first 30 days was depressing. 
was made me question if I could do this. Um, Can I, I ask you a, a personal yeah. question? I'm going to go there and you don't have to answer it if you don't want yeah, to. Really uh, did you get help for that? Like meds? Did you get on anything to help you through that early de yes. depression? Yes. So two okay. things. One, um, uh, one of the things I loved about rehab and why I wanted to go away was to take away the medicine I was on from, from do this doctor, that doctor, which I, in some ways felt like they were just open for trial and error and asking yeah. me this and that. And I wasn't a trustworthy resource anyway. Um, but also, <laughs> I love the humility in it. Right, At the right? end of the day, I was drunk. So I get it. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Was the medicine even doing like, did I even give the right. medicine a fair chance? Right. right. So I wanted the ground zero. I wanted the, um, <clears throat> let me like the pain a little, you wanted the pain a little bit. It sounds like I did. I, did. I needed to cry a lot. Um, I needed to have that structure of rehab of like waking up at a certain time and going to bed at a certain time and having medicine at a certain time. Oh my God. Like, yeah. you know, structure. So yes, medicine was important. And I was put on a depressant and an, an anti-anxiety. So both, um, well, butin and Lexapro is what we went with. And I yeah. was yeah. happy with that until it got Perego over here. Um, yeah. By the way, you're pregnant right. at 43, 44. Hi. What is your age? I know, I'm going to be 43 in January, baby. Here, here, ladies. Wow. Babes, if you think Congrats. it's too late. Yeah, I know. You just never know. Yes. You never no. know. You never know. God is getting started. Thing. What a blessing. Yes. What a blessing. So, okay. Sorry. Divert. Amanda, I know, jump in. Whole other, yeah. I mean, just when I think I could sit down to write my memoir, something big happens. And I'm like, come on now. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to stop this high vibe combo for just a second to remind you that every single episode, I choose a listener of the week. And if you win, guess what? I send you the best snail mail surprise ever. And all you have to do to win is leave a podcast review on iTunes. And this week, our review of the week is R-S-U-L-L-0-0-5 exclamation point. So if that is you, send me a DM on Instagram or email me at hello at judyholler.com to claim your prize. And if you want to be our next listener of the week, all you got to do, leave a quick review on iTunes. Yo, it's that easy. Christine, <laughs> you know, you brought something up that's really interesting that I have found in many conversations I've had, like I'm in recovery. Yeah. I identify myself as an alcoholic and I'm not sure how you identify and we can get into that. But one yeah. of the things in my family, which has a long history of alcoholism is, is the alcohol fueling the depression, anxiety, mental illness, or is the mental illness fueling the alcohol? And that too, in and of itself is a lot of reason that rehab and taking 30 days away is helpful because when you strip things down, you can really get properly diagnosed. Cause as you said, you know, are you really as a trustworthy and an honest patient? So I think that's important for our audience to understand because it's difficult in active use of drugs and any other, you know, alcohol or food as you try to numb yourself, you mm -hmm. do sometimes miss actual diagnosable you know, illness that requires medication and there's nothing wrong with medicine. If there's an imbalance in your system, people, it's a gift. So I just wanted yeah. to say that. And since I asked, do you identify as an alcoholic? So I don't use the word alcoholic. And that goes back to those first 30 to 90 days. Um, I, I don't care if you call me an alcoholic, I don't care if, and then our next alcoholic, we welcome to this stage, not a problem. 
Um, I also see um, the value in the in the AA program. It was a part of my rehab. I, I did, went to AA for um, almost 90 days out um, as a part of um, structure and routine. What I found was um, myself falling back into a little bit of a depression of some of the rules that I didn't um, and really attached with this word alcoholic and how often I was hearing it alcoholic, alcoholic, I'm going to a meeting, you know, whatever. Um, it was this word that I believe held me back from getting help for a good decade. Okay. I didn't want to be put in a box. Yeah. I didn't want to be, um, a check mark off. She's not marryable. She's no fun. She's not hireable, she's not, trustworthy, all that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, raised my hand very proudly as a stigma fighter that is alcohol free that had a drinking problem, has a drinking problem. I cannot have one. I also am extremely competitive. So I just hit my 29 months. I'm not going back. I'm so I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, I am alcohol free. I am sober as fuck. I am, you know, I am, I'm really proud to have removed alcohol from my life and AA added so much value in the structure, but there were a lot of rules that this rule breaker was not um, good with. Um, including no, don't have any, not alcoholic beer. Don't have any, uh, don't sit at the bar. What are you doing? Going to your restaurants with going with your girlfriends. And I know that some of that is definitely, um, important in early sobriety, but this girl, um, I had a really hard time with, with that. And, um, uh, you know, considering I was someone who always was a, not always follow the rules, but, um, for a long time, wanted to fit in. I, in those first 90 days, I never felt like I didn't fit in anywhere more than in those days because I was back in Charlotte and I didn't know where I couldn't go in that door. And I went to that door and didn't feel comfortable. And I, I was so lonely inside surrounded by people, but lonely. And that is what led to what I'm calling this on the mocks life. Um, it is that the, the party continues. It is, you can be so fun. I am so fun. I, at what time is it? Right. It's one o'clock. Doesn't even matter. This could be breakfast. Yeah. Um, non-alcoholic beer, you know, right here. Yeah, I love um, it. I swear, when I first got a non-alcoholic beer at the beach, um, outside of Charleston, Isle of Palms, I looked over my shoulder. Like I was going to get caught. I oh. felt like I was breaking all the rules and I, my hand was shaking and it was a Heineken zero and I triple checked with the bartender and I just, it was a freeing moment. It was a terrifying moment. Um, you know, yes. Can you be triggered? Yes. Can you relapse? Of course. Yes. Can you be triggered by a movie? Yes. Can you be relapsed from a movie? Yes. Can you, you're you know, that happens. I, I can't, I, I love that you said that because I remember when I quit smoking the first time, uh, there's been a lot of times, uh, I remember I would have smoking dreams, but movies like Mad Men, I was binging. I went through a phase where I was like binging Mad Men when it first came out and I had to stop because it's like, I want to smoke. Everybody's smoking. And I started playing these games in my head going, oh, look at everybody smoke. It's fine. <laughs> it's just what you do. Like, and it's the fit and they all made like, it's crazy the shit we do. So I love that you recognize. And what's also interesting about what you said, and I want to remind everybody of, and what really is the journey of On The Mocks, making an alcohol-free lifestyle fun, um, is that some of these alcohol-free options taste and not everybody needs it. I yeah. needed it because I 
need the thing in my hand and the thing when everybody else is doing it, but they taste so good that you're almost like my hand is shaking because wait, are you sure there's no alcohol in this? Because are beers sure? are so, good. so anyway, I had yeah. to go there because I love that you bring that up. I mean, the triggers are everywhere. Amanda sent me an email or text the other day with like froze, like she was buying fruit and their strawberries that were like froze advertising on fruit containers, how yes. you can use these to go right. make alcohol. Here she is seven years sober. Like, and they're, so the triggers, yo. So what are you doing? Did you have to, so when you think of your environment, those those 90 days, all that, right? Let me come back really. I want to close yeah. the circle on the friend thing. Yeah, yes. What's your friend circle? Did you have to, did you shed a bunch of layers? Did you have to move? Like, are you still in your same right. neighborhood? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Same neighborhood. Because the triggers are everywhere. Like they're <laughs> everywhere. Um, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't go out to eat as, as much, um, at first, but that was, um, and it wasn't so much, I was afraid of the alcohol. It was also like, I started just to put some more healthy behavior into my life and not yeah. dying out as much and try to lose some of the weight, which I did. I lost over 30 pounds in those first three months. Um, I did not lose any friends. Some of the friends that were my drinking buddies, um, uh, I mean, I had, that's a funny word, but it, cause everybody was my drinking buddy, yeah. but, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. some that I felt like I drank a little bit more with, um, were the first to, to just private message and say how proud of me they were say that, that I'm inspiring them. And, you know, that comes with, I didn't really speak up until my fifth um, month, my third month after 90 days, I said, I replaced water. I replaced wine with water. Mm. did not mention that I had an alcohol problem that I went to rehab that any of that, I just said, I did a picture. I had a body transformation from that. But when I started speaking up and that, you know, the social, that's where social media is, Facebook, Instagram, I had high school friends, college friends, old work friends. I worked in the restaurant industry in the New York city chefs, all these people private message me to thank me to then share their own problems of whether it was alcohol or another addiction or family marital problems. They yeah. just, you know, life isn't always like what you see. And I became, because I was vulnerable, someone that people could talk to, but I did not lose any friends. And I think, and I would say this about going on first dates, um, you may not be confident about your decision first, but pretend you are, act like you're confident about it. And with a bartender, know your drink, you know, when you get up to the bar, I, I would say, you know, do you have any non-alcoholic beer? So whispering it. Own it. Own it, you know? Fuck and yeah. then it's like, no, Fuck dude, yeah. yeah, okay, I'll take, yes, I will take that dusty one at the bottom corner that has been there. I don't know how long, but that's fine, I'll take it. Um, and I think the friend thing is a lie. I think it's a lie people tell themselves as an excuse not to stop oh, or slow down yeah. because yeah. I'm the same. I didn't lose any friends. And let's be clear. There is a difference between drinking buddies, especially when you're deep into, you know, heavy drinking and friends. They're not the same. They're not, the they're same. not someone you would call if you were having a bad day or if somebody you love died, they were just people you hung out with because they were there doing the same shit you were. Yeah. And there might be a few people that have a drinking problem that aren't ready to deal with it. That don't want to deal with it. That just I don't want her to ruin my mood. Right. right? I mean, if you're going to go raging, I might not be your first person to call. I'd like to be 
invite, I want to be invited to everything. I get it. I hear that. So I got to ask you, Christine, what is your take on, so in our community, um, so in our, in our community, we started this, uh, sober October challenge and it's not just for alcohol. Okay. So it's for the different addictions we all face. So my, uh, sober October challenge is no online shopping that I really hope I can bring all the way through to January 1st because it's some bullshit. And let's be honest, my Instagram addiction and my social media validation addiction feeds my shopping addiction because now I'm shopping off of Instagram, which is a whole nother podcast episode. So Christine, our question to you, yes. dry January, sober <laughs> October. Um, what are you, what is your take as someone in sobriety, um, on those trendy, um, takes on stopping alcohol for 30 days. Where, where are you with that? And what's your thought on that? I just love it. Um, I love it for the reason that anyone who challenges themselves can use an excuse, right? That they don't have to, that they can say, oh, I'm just doing dry January. I want to see if I can do it. Right. I want to see if I can do this sober October to use the time. Um, the people who do it should use that time as not a, I can't drink today. I can't drink today. I can't drink today. I can't drink today. It's I'm not drinking today. How do I feel about it? Why do I even want to drink that much? Oh my God, that girl just had 12. Like, (laughs) you know, like she's, you know, like not judging, but remembering maybe that you were there, um, slipping and falling and mumbling, you know, I've been there, I've done it all. Um, I had my twenties in New York city with the sex in the city years and, oh yeah. Well, even that whole show was like, it made it, I mean, everything was martinis and fabulous and glamour. And listen, I love a good sex in the city moment. I was here for it too. I'm like, Amanda, we could do a whole fucking show on the tragic shit we did while blackout drunk in our twenties and thirties, you know, like seriously, how did we get home? How are we here? But we are here. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, Christine, Amanda said something to me that I loved when I, in January, started a dry January. And I was really taking a look at my, my relationship. I didn't like it. I didn't like where it was going. I didn't like that. It had gotten in control of me. I wanted to show it who the boss was. Did I feel like I was an alcoholic? I don't know, maybe, but I didn't like my relationship. The pandemic poured gasoline onto it. So I was on this journey of like 30 days turned into 60 days that turned into 90 days that turned into 200 days and off we off we go she said to me something she goes judy listen people typically not all people but most people that set out to do a dry january and a sober october typically are not the ones that don't have a problem with alcohol like if you don't have a problem with alcohol you're not really like oh i need to go sober october because they're like i had two drinks this month i don't really drink so that for me was like a big wake up call. So I think even empowering ourselves to realize that so many people like your DMS blowing up when you started sharing your story, there are people silently suffering and you may not be alone, but alcohol living and alcoholic tendency based living. If that's even a fucking thing is a very lonely place to be because you don't feel like you can share. You don't feel like anyone will understand. And you also are using the bullshit excuse that you feel like you're going to lose your life and all your friends if you stop and you are living proof. And so is Amanda, uh, that, that is not necessarily the, the, the yeah. case. And, um, so two things there, one, um, with you, if you use a sober October or a dry January as your jumping off launch pad, you get to say, 
I want to see how far this. Oh, goes. I love that. Yes. So if come November, someone says, okay, it's November. You can drink with me now. You know what? I felt so fucking amazing. That's what happened to me. Yeah. I yeah. want, I felt so amazing. I want to see how far this goes. Mm-hmm. So what are you drinking? Um, well, I'm drinking this. I'm drinking this. You bring your own drinks. You, you have your plan of what to drink, where, um, but the other part of when you change to this, when you shift to this, I'm not drinking is in my opinion and my hope for people is to not judge the drinking people. Let them be yeah, on their journey, of course. That, whether they're over drinking, moderately drinking, drink, whatever. That let them be, let them be them. Yeah. Let them be them. And that will make it a more comfortable place for you to have the so fun too. No one wants to be judged for anything. Um, and you know, maybe that's your husband too. If you give up drinking and your husband still drinks, um, you know, like there, there, there's an area. Amanda's there in that. Have- I mean, her person drinks, yeah, right? He drinks a lot. He drinks often, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it is one of those things where people are like, are you so okay mine. with that? It's, it's mm-hmm. not mine. Right. Yeah, Number it's one, life. it's, it's his life. My problem is my own problem and my desire to, live in a life that I have now and not give up all of the peace and contentment that I have, uh, to go have a drink is my choice. So, you know, it's funny when you were talking about, um, dry January, I always, you know, you sit at a bar, I sit at a bar. I don't have those desires that that has been removed from me. And it's always funny to me when somebody's like, Oh, you don't drink. Is that hard? And I always, I'm like, well, do you think it would be hard for you? Like, that's a I question. I love that fucking response, yeah, by the way. Like, because that's Borrow really that. what they're asking, right? Yeah. Is, oh, how hard was it? So I love that. No, as we go to close this out, you are amazing. And our listeners have really done a lot of the same thing that you experienced. They DM us. So many people in our community have really started questioning their relationship with alcohol. And we have a couple people that haven't drank in many hundreds of days now. And it's so beautiful and exciting for us to watch people change their lives because they feel better. So for the woman who feels overwhelmed just by the idea of quitting, uh, what would you say to her? I would say, um, even though it's a cliche, we're going to take this one day at a time. Do not look at you're not drinking forever. You're not drinking today. Try it today. Okay. Um, I, I literally say that every day. I do count days and months and years. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that we're gonna, the best way to do this in a healthy way, we're gonna, we are gonna dig a little deeper and get a little more uncomfortable at why we drink and why we drink too much. Know that there are so many resources and not just one way to recover. Um, I love Reframe app. I love books. I love podcasts. I love put the freaking music on when you're not in a good mood to because put on a nice outfit, put on the outfit like you want to. There's so many ways to feel good. And these are all related to why many of us drink too much. Okay. One of the biggest things that I had to approach to, to get to this place of, um, of, I can drink a non-alcoholic beer. I can drink an alcohol removed wine. I can drink a cocktail with zero proof tequila is I am so glad this drink isn't alcohol. I don't want it to be alcohol. I'm not going, it doesn't really taste like that wine that I had in Napa many times that I got drunk in Napa. 
like, yeah, that was a chapter in my life. This is the new chapter, but, um, it's, it's, it is holding a drink and saying, fuck, I'm so glad this is an alcohol and really appreciating everything else that comes in that, um, environment. You're going to appreciate food more. You're going to most likely have room for extra food calories. <laughs> um, you will, which is uh, always a plus, like, right. If you know, or, you know, or don't, you know, you know, I mean, I, I, I have, I didn't, I have more ice cream in the last two years than I did my entire childhood, you know? Right. Um, we'll see. And I love that you even say that because addiction replaces addiction. Like, so people yes, like they yes. say that that's, I've read that in a lot of books, like, you know, sugar, other things kind of start to bubble up when you, and I yes. definitely noticed it. I've, you know, I finally had to stop buying the fucking ice cream at my house. Like yeah. I do the kind bar things now that are like the dairy free. Those are like starting to like get my ice cream thing, but yo, yeah, it's yeah. true. And, it's true. And certainly paying attention to other addictions. Cause I've, yeah. I've, we, we tend to fill space. Yeah. And the, the, the thing is, are you feeling space because you're bored? Are you feeling space? Cause it makes you feel worthy or noticed or recognized. I am a, my love language is words of affirmation. Mm. So I need to be told I'm doing okay. I need to be told that he did that. So social media is an issue. Right. But I love it to share things like this. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's a love, hate, balance, you know, balance, 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 and boundaries. Uh, it seems to be a theme and you certainly are uh, a beautiful representation of that. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy you're sharing your story. I'm so thrilled to hear what you're creating. And honestly, I'm so happy to hear you're going to be a mom because now <laughs> you're going to get to pass that on and you're, you're, you're showing us what's possible. And that's what we're on a mission to do here in this community is to remind people that it's all possible. So Christine, yeah. thank you for being on the show and on gin and juice. Uh, Amanda, any final thoughts as we say goodbye to Christine? No, you offered some really good perspective and I'm just mm -hmm. glad that you're here and congratulations on 29 months and a baby Yay. and all of the beautiful things that have happened uh, as you made a different decision in your life. Thank you so much. I think God was in sense waiting for me to get my shit together, you know, and said, <laughs> okay, it's a little late. I know you weren't expecting this, but here comes baby boy. Oh, uh, we, we are always right on time. Christine, thank you, my dear. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right, Amanda, that was so much fun. I, we that said was great. Could, I mean, we could have been on the phone with her for like, yo, a couple hours. Did but... you just say on the phone? Like oh. I got a picture, like a phone against a wall Hello, with a rotary spiral cord. Hello. Oh my God. I did say on the phone. <laughs> but I got, I get it your point. my age. It shows my age. But I mean, yo, we could have talked to her for a minute. It was yeah, so much fun. So we really hope you loved this episode as much as we loved making it for you. So talk to, talk to me on Instagram. Talk to us on Instagram. Um, everything's in the show notes, but seriously, send me a DM. Let me know what you loved about this episode. Uh, make sure you check out Christine. We love seeing your posts so keep them coming and you can always email us at hello at judyholler.com to share your show ideas feedback and inspiration amanda it was so fun to be here with you again another gin and juice in i the love books. this i love so, it much so much fun so much yeah. fun and we love you so thank you for listening thank you for sharing thank you for reviewing and we will see you next week a good bye. bye. <laughs>